Oh, what a life. What a day. Thank you, Jesus. We woke up in grace today. We woke up in the new covenant today. Hallelujah. We didn't have to bring a dove sacrifice or anything today. We got to boast about the blood of Jesus today. Woo, that's good news. So like my husband was saying, it was awesome. Last week we were in Mexico and we got to go to one of our favorite places ever in Puerto Vallarta. And our, we have precious friends there from, from my dad from 30 plus years. So we got to minister at their churches the last few years and it's a lot easier without an interpreter. Let that be known. Preaching without an interpreter is a lot easier. Um, I'm really excited. It was really fun when I listened to the message that Pastor Matthew brought that was fantastic. Um, there, I talked about Peter and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So in Idaho and Mexico, we had similar messages going on, which is super fun. Okay, I need to take a drink of water. Praise the Lord. Go 49ers. Yes. Come on now. Come on, Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant. Loves Jesus. Want to see him get that win today. I had to let it be known. Just had to see. That's either a really good thing in this atmosphere or not a good thing. And I just had to start it off that way. I felt like I was either going to start the service with bawling or with that. So we started with that. All right. I just opened up the wrong notes. It was the Mexico notes. And I was like, Pastor Saul. Now we're on the right notes. Okay. Making disciples is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about making disciples. So let's go to Matthew 28. Good job, Bethany. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we've been given the commission to go and what? Make disciples. So we're to make disciples of nations. So the commission started with a go. It's called the go of the gospel. So we have that. We know that we have been commissioned to make disciples which sounds great, and we can say that, and we're like, yeah, let's go make disciples. But what does that mean? You know, what does that really mean to make disciples? And I think that's a continual journey that we go on with the Lord. I think in every season, we understand it a little bit more of what does it really mean to make disciples? And in some seasons, you're like, oh, this is what it means. In the next season, you're like, oh, God, help me. (laughs) It's the reality of making disciples. So 
Let's hop in to 2 Corinthians 5. Happy birthday. Is that what that was? That was nice. I was struggling there. Sorry. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5, 11. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we committing ourselves to you again? No. Are we giving you reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart? If it seems we are crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. That's good news. He died for everyone. Let's make that clear. For who? Everyone. So that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation, a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. The old is gone, the new has come. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. That's so good right there. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. That's a good dad. That's a good dad. And God has given us this task, this ministry of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. <sighs> We can take a deep breath after that. That's good news. We gotta remind ourselves of that every day. It's the goodness of God, it's what he paid for, that God brought us back to him through his beautiful son, Jesus. And now, he has given us this amazing opportunity, this glorious ministry of reconciling people back to him. which is very exciting, it's very good news. So what is our mission? We know what we've been commissioned to do, which is to go and make disciples. 
All right, so our mission is to go, the go of the gospel, and make disciples, to reconcile people back to God. We know that's part of the mission. It's to restore dignity and hope back to people because of what Jesus has done, to call people into their God-given destinies, to walk people into friendship and abundant life with Jesus. We get to do that. That doesn't look very exciting to people. <laughs> like, job description, you get to walk people into abundant life and hope. Come on. <laughs> That's exciting news. I mean, what has the Lord done for us? So much. We think about, we're singing about the blood. I don't even recognize myself anymore because of what Jesus has done. And he goes, okay, now here is your mission. I want you to go tell people what I've done and reconcile them back to me. Bring them back to me. Restore hope to the broken. That's exciting. That's very good news. It's the greatest honor. It's the greatest privilege. And it is a wild ride. My, my grandma laughed. She goes, mm-hmm, yes. That's a good word. <laughs> Pastor Rich has a smirk on his face. Yep, good word, good word. I just wanted a shout out to our Breakthrough Ministries. It was so fun. Just this week alone, there were two beautiful testimonies of precious, precious people that were so transformed by getting to be a part of Breakthrough Ministries. I don't remember numbers exactly well, but it was said something like 50, it was the 30 to 50 year range. You know, sometimes if you don't write something down, then I'm like, I don't want to have evangelistic numbers up here. But it was like 30 to 50 years of church hurt. And these precious saints, these beautiful ministers at Breakthrough Ministry said, let me walk hand in hand with you and let's just see Jesus heal that all. Let's just see him wash that off of you. Come on. That's the life we get to live. We get to be ones who say, you've got hurts going on? Oh, let me walk with you. Let's walk with each other. Let's see what Jesus does and let's see you get fully healed up, walking in exactly who you're created to be in your God-given destiny. That's part of making disciples, walking people into abundant life. What a joy, what a privilege. I wanna thank our Breakthrough Ministries team. If you don't know what it is, it's amazing. Inner healing, deliverance, it's just so powerful. But thank you, Breakthrough Ministry team, for what you do, for loving people to life. Thank you. It is, it's so fun just getting to see that and what happens. And that's, that's making disciples. That's walking with people, getting in the mess with people and saying, let's go after all that Jesus has. So... Like my husband was sharing, this weekend, our first year of VSSM, we got to roll together this weekend. We got to hang out a lot this weekend, which was really fun. It's so beautiful, powerful. If you don't know what VSSM is, it's our School of Supernatural Ministry. It's amazing. If you'd like to do it, you can register for next year. You can come sit in on a class if you fill out our form. But anyways, I was with our first year students, 
And I was getting to reminisce. First year, you're going to have a little recap from Thursday night. Um, we were just reminiscing different things with the Lord and how I first got into youth ministry and some of the things that came with that. And a question got asked of, the question was presented more so of, how do you raise kids up to be strong in the Lord when you also want to shelter them from the world, but you also want them to love the world and call people in to who they're created to be? It's like, how do you do that as a parent? And so me with obviously all my years of parenting wisdom and advice that I have now, I said, I can say what my mom and dad did. Yeah, I was prophesying. Come on now. Um, and it was just fun thinking about it because my answer is really quick to that. I was like, well, my parents lived out their faith in front of me. You know, revival in our home was the normal. It was normal to see people getting prayed for and healed in our home before they were pastoring. It was normal to see people sitting around our table, being discipled, having different conversations going on. It was normal to have people at our kitchen table who had killed people being discipled. I mean, it, it, it was, these were the, the normal things. It was, I think about reality where we had a gang leader living in a motorhome, like on our property for a little bit. He had given his life to Jesus. Him and his family were getting their lives turned around and they lived on our property for a little bit in a motorhome. Um, these were the normal things. And the beauty of that, it was so wonderful because I saw the gospel lived out. I saw the gospel lived out. I saw people, everyone treated with value. There was, I mean, our table has had a wide variety of people at it. And it's beautiful to see everyone treated with value, unique worth, grace, the love of Jesus, his transforming power. And I, in that moment, I said, the fun part was my parents, they would, when you get to watch these things happen, you learn consequences of actions. So it's really clear they would share. My parents were very clear with me of, hey, if you do this, these are the consequences. And I saw the grace of Jesus as he restored people as well. I saw the love of Jesus as he transformed lives. And it's pretty easy to choose life without Jesus or life with Jesus when you're seeing it in front of you. It's like, yeah, I will 100% take life with Jesus. Gladly, that's what I want. And I just encourage all the parents, every single person here, living out your faith in your family, living out your faith in front of people, having the conversations, it is so important and it changes everything because you get to see what God does. And I was, it was fun. I was talking to my parents about this and my dad, when I was sharing some of these stories with them, I was FaceTiming them as they're in Mexico and it's beautiful and wonderful. And I saw him getting teary-eyed and um, he was, it, for him, it was that, it was almost that like, 
I didn't even realize that much was being taught because it was being caught in the atmosphere. We talk about there's a lot that's taught and there's a lot that's caught. They were living out their faith and it was life. And it wasn't like I'm trying something different and hard. It was, this is what it looks like to love people. This is what it looks like to welcome people in, to see people restored. And obviously my parents, I share the different things. You can go to extremes and not protect your children. They had lots of different boundaries for me too. But while sharing these stories with him, I just saw him getting teary-eyed. And I, I love those moments. And I, th- I just want everyone to be able to have those moments where you see the fruit of your labors. You know, the things that you're doing in life, you're just living life and you don't realize the impact that it has. That your life lived out in front of people has far more impact than you know that I was taking it all in as a kid. I was seeing it where I was saying, okay, you treat everyone with value. There's no one too hard to be redeemed and restored by the blood of Jesus. Um, Everyone's valuable. Your choices really matter. I got to see it all and it created a core value system within me to where it was really easy to live out my faith to be around lots of different people. It wasn't like, whoa, this is scary now being thrown into the real world. Does that make sense? And so I just, with that, it is my big encouragement for all of us. Our life matters. What we do matters. Living out in faith matters. You're having a way bigger impact than you know. And the blood of Jesus can overcome any situation, any situation. And I just, you know, obviously we want to protect, but I think one of the most empowering things we can do is raise up a powerful generation that knows the real raw gospel, like, and and living it out, empowering people. This is what Jesus does. So that would be my little encouragement there to all the past, to all of our people here. Um, Another thing is the importance of my parents were like, you will be in church. That was what we did together. Wednesday nights, we were in church. Sunday mornings, we were in church. Any special meeting that was going on, you better believe we were there. I remember sleeping on these chairs many times. I don't know, I have this distinct memory of sitting over, it would have been towards the back there. It was Augusto Perez was here and those services, they'd go along. They definitely would but the Lord moved in powerful ways. And I remember being like, I don't want to be here, mom and dad. I'm tired, sleeping like in the back. But then it like when ministry was going on for a long time, but then there was this hunger within me. That's like, I know things happen when you get prayed for and it's about to be my time to get prayed for. And then after that, it's like, oh, this meeting was the best. (laughs) So with that, it's the reminder, a lot is caught and taught. So if you get your kids in the atmosphere, it's amazing what the Lord will do. It's so amazing. Um, This other, it would have been just a few weeks ago, um, we had a wedding that was taking place here during the week, the school week. It was so beautiful as a couple that was like, hey, we want to get things right in our life. We want to get married. And so they came in, they're getting married, and we have our VCA students that are walking around and they're, they're looking in. And 
I just sat there with a big smile on my face thinking, praise God that these students are getting to see a wedding happening because what they're seeing is the reality of God's design for marriage. For one, they're getting to see that. They get to go to teachers who are going to pour truth into them and say, yep, this is how God designed it. And so even in the atmosphere, things are being caught. All right, Psalm 78. One through eight. Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation, <coughs> sorry, so each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. My point in that is, first of all, it's truth, it's a command for us, but it's the reminder to tell the stories. Tell the stories. Tell of what the Lord has done, How, the, the importance of it. I mean, I've got a family book that's filled of my grandparents, my great-grandparent, great-great? One of the greats? Grandparents' testimonies of when they gave their life to Jesus and these wild exploits that happened. I can sit with my grandma and papa and they could tell me this, 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 this is what the Lord has done. This is what the Lord has done. I can sit with my parents now and it's this is what the Lord has done. This is what the Lord has done. And I totally understand that not everyone in this room has that reality, but you can create that for the future generations. You can. That's something we get to do. It's the Lord has so set us up for success when we follow his commands. Where he goes, hey, this is what the family structure should look like. There should not be a lost generation. It should go from one generation to the next. That's his design. He wants that. He wants us to have generational blessings, not generational curses. That's what he desires. And sometimes, I, I know there's a reality that we can become so focused sometimes on these generational curses and we have those who have to be the brave warriors that are like, it ends with me. And they're on the battle line and they're like, it's done. It is done. And now you're the ones who say, my generation is going to have generational blessings. And that's, I just, 
I say that as a charge for this church because I know that we have many who are the first generation Christians. We're like, I want it different. And it gets to be different. It gets to be. You're going to have your great, great granddaughter is going to be the one getting to say, yeah, my grandparents told me this. And then my parents told me this. Let's go, Brooke. We talk about that, the excitement of when they're grandbabies, that they're going to get to pour into them, their future grandchildren, and the reality of what the Lord has. And so I say that as a charge, that the Lord, he is so kind. His design is beautiful, wonderful. And when we follow it, we get to reap those blessings that he has set apart, all because of his blood, all because of what he's done. And it's important that we take the time to live it out and pour into the next generation. Because it's easy to get busy. And one of the questions that got presented too at VSSM was, was there a moment when you just really knew the Father's love, like through your dad? And I was like, was there a moment? I said, I think the moment that I realized the reality of the Father's love was when I came in to a realization of my heavenly Father's love because I was like, oh, my dad has loved me like that my whole life. Like it was very easy for me to relate to my heavenly Father's love because my dad had set the foundation for me. So I had an earthly experience that made it really easy to line up with my heavenly Father which is beautiful, it's a gift. I'm so thankful for that. But as we, and I know not everyone has experienced that, but we get to be the ones who leave that for the next generations. And what that looked like is my dad, he ran businesses, which if you run a business, you don't clock out. You know, like it's on you. It's not the, okay, my tasks are done now. No, he ran businesses. And he would come home and he would toss me wiffle balls and we would hit them for hours and hours during softball season. And then during basketball season, we'd go in the gym and we'd shoot a hundred free throws and we would do layups. And he, it was this intentional time of spending with me when he was tired, busy, all the different things going on with life. But he knew that I was his daughter and he had this one small period of time to really pour into me and love on me and to disciple me. And in that, I got discipled into knowing I'm a loved daughter. My dad cares about me. He loves my passions. He loves to see me being filled with joy, all the different things. And with that too, we really bonded over sports. He was my coach in all my sports. And when you are the baby by a long gap, by like having my sister who'd be closest in age is 12 years older. So it's like a 12 to 18 year gap. When you have that long of a gap in having kids, you learn a lot, you know? So I do realize that I got to reap many of the benefits of the lessons that were learned through my siblings. And thank you for that, Lord. But with that, my dad, he coached my brothers as well. And his approach with them was he wanted them to be the best, you know? So when they played sports, you did so great at this. You did amazing. But if you did this, 
it would have made it better. And what happens when you throw the but is it just negates every good thing that was said. And now it's like, but you did this wrong. And at one point, my, one of my brothers said, I just can't do anything right. And my dad, of course, that was the last thing that he ever intended, but realized, you know, the power of words and even that one little thing, but the continual correction. And so he talks about it being withheld blessings. So when he came, when he came to coaching me, we had an agreement. He said, Christy Lynn, I will tell you all the things that you did well. And if you want any kind of correction to grow, I want you to come to me and ask me, and then I'll give it. And so it was, it was amazing because there were certain games that I could be like, all right, dad, yeah, 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 I'm ready right now. Then there were the other games where it was like, not yet. <laughs> and we knew we had that agreement. So he'd share, this was great. This was great. This was great. And I needed to be like, okay, thank you. But when I wanted to grow, I knew I could go to my dad. I could go to him and he would pour into me. And I say that as an encouragement to everyone here of blessings, speaking blessings, being intentional with what we're speaking over children, but also those around us. You know, it's, it doesn't just go to that. It goes to every person. What are we speaking? How are we being intentional that way? Because we, we want to be ones who release grace and that our words are seasoned with salt, like it says. So I encourage you, no withheld blessings. Let's speak life. And let's truly make disciples that way. One other thing that he did is, and I, I share these things this is what was really on my heart is because we're set apart. You know, we as Christians, we're born again. We're, we're new creations. There's nothing that's ever been seen like us on the earth, correct? And so with that, we get to set the stage. We get to show the world what healthy families look like. We get to show the world what it looks like to be an amazing coach, what it looks like to be an incredible boss, what it looks like to be an amazing friend, what it looks like to be an, a wonderful employee. And so with that, we're, we have to take these things and own them because we are, we're the ambassadors on earth. We're here to, you know, take ground. We're not just here to try to survive. We're here to advance the kingdom. And so these conversations, because it's, it's important for us because we get to step up in every way. We get to. So that's why I, I encourage, I love to bring these examples because I'm someone who reaped many benefits of it. And I know that we want to see generations completely transformed and getting to walk in their royal identity. So with that too, one other thing that my dad did, just as we talked about that question when it comes to connecting with your father, is every single day he would tell me, Christy Lynn, you're smart. You're beautiful, you're talented, you're a leader, you're special. And it, I mean, there wasn't a day that that didn't happen. It was every single day. And that became the mirror that I saw myself in. Because husbands, dads, you are the mirror for your spouse, you're the mirror for your children. They look at you and what you're saying over them is how they see themselves. And it is wonderful when you own it 
and get to develop people. So that's, that'd be encouragement that way. So also at VSSM, we, as we're talking about making disciples, we had a little bit of time to, I got to reminisce on the last 12 years of my life mix of ministry and I, I, it's all gonna come together. There's, you got a lot of stories here. So you're gonna get to laugh at a lot of my mistakes and it's gonna be awesome because we want, it's, it, it was a heart thing for me. It was good to know. But when I really started, I, I've, oh, I just remember loving Jesus all my days, but when uh, the, this fresh fire came over me, it would have been my teenage years where I began to know him, like intimately, deeply know him. And I, my plan was to go to BSSM. And I, before that happened, I got invited to go on a mission trip to South Africa. Woohoo! Which was one of my biggest heart's desires. I was so excited and I finally got to do it. And it was me and a bunch of like, there was like 40 some wild-eyed fiery revivalists, you know? And we were gonna go on this mission trip and we are these anointed ones and we are gonna bring the fire of God. We're gonna see revival, which when you kind of say it out loud, then you're like, oh, that's good for you. But in the moment, it felt like, yes, this is awesome. And we did, we saw wild miracles. We saw so many incredible things that the Lord did. It was so awesome. And there's, this phrase that some people may have heard where it's like, we're going to show up and blow up, which is garbage. But when you're like young, fiery person just encountering God and seeing miracles, it's like, yeah, let's show up and it's going to be awesome. So that's one of my first experiences here with missions. It was awesome. It was amazing. And with that, I... We would have testimonies every night where we debrief. I know many of you have heard this before, but it'll come together here. And so we'd share these testimonies. And I found myself in the process feeling this need to have a big, important testimony to share. More than anything else, it's like, it's going to come to me. I have to share it in front of all these other powerful people. I better have a good testimony. And I remember one of the days we went to this township and I'm holding this little girl and the love of God wrecks me. I mean, I just get undone with his love for this little girl. I'm weeping while I'm holding her. And it was the most precious, like holy moment. Don't know how else to describe it, but it was just, I got overcome with the love of God for this girl. I went to debrief that night, everyone's sharing. We saw tumors dissolve. We saw this, 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 and it gets to me and I go, I held the little girl and just got really touched by the love of God. And everyone goes, nice. Like, I don't know what to say, you know? It's like, that's cool, that's great. But for me, it became a really shifting moment because my focus shifted dramatically where it wasn't me just going after miracles. It was, okay, I wanna encounter the heart of God. I wanna see what he wants to do. 
And I ended up, after that, there was a miracle that took place. I encountered his love for this person. It was so beautiful, but it was a shifting point. And after that is when I actually went to BSSM. It was wonderful, loved it. And then I felt God calling me home and to become a youth pastor. And remember, the question is, what does it look like to make disciples? I became a youth pastor. And let's say that was a growing situation because I went from the guest speaker who you show up and people are full of faith because you're coming in as a guest, as a minister who operates in miracles, signs and wonders. So people are already honoring you and they already are charged up with faith and hunger. So you don't have to do anything because people are hungry. So they're already pulling on heaven. And so you go from that to now the youth pastor and you're the bad guy. <laughs> when you become the pastor, you have great moments and you have terrible moments. You, can I get an amen, Pastor Tim? We talked about it this week. Where all of a sudden, you have to learn what it looks like to walk with people. You have to learn what it looks like to walk in horrible situations with people. You get to learn what it looks like to have these awesome, yay, Jesus, Holy Spirit moment. And then the next day, you have to be like, okay, let's bring some correction to character now. And then when you start to bring any kind of correction, you are the bad guy. And you're not just this awesome, super anointed person anymore. You have to wait till the youth camp speaker or the conference speaker comes. They are the superstar, anointed, they do no wrong. They're youth pastor, meh. <laughs> it is so true. And I say that because the call to make disciples is not flashy. It's not like, whoa, this is awesome. There are moments where it's greater than anything in the whole wide world. There are also these moments that it's like, man, I need help. And that's what youth pastoring was. I prayed a prayer where I said, God, will you please send the broken kids who don't know you? And he answered. And I was so in over my head. Can I get an amen, Taylor? <laughs> she, can, she can relate with me. She was one of those students that came in, praised Jesus. And in that, I so realized my need for the Lord. I did not have it figured out. I had no idea what I was doing. I was passionate. I was on fire for Jesus. I was going to see revival. I had no idea what it meant to disciple people. <laughs> No idea. Praise God. I had amazing leaders and my parents and our other pastoral staff, Pastor Rich, thank you, thank you, who were speaking into me, who could correct me, who could help me, who could disciple me throughout the process. And it's so important. It's humbling because we learn how to love people, how to lead people, how to correct, how to weep with, how to celebrate with and that's all a part of the discipleship process. But what happens when we disciple people? There's life transformation and there's long lasting fruit, which is way more impacting to my heart now 
than what used to be, which was just this big service, bang, 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 bang. Peace out. Have fun, pastors. Steward what the Lord did here. And is, do I love those services? With all of my heart. I love them with all of my heart. But I remember in youth pastoring, we'd go to youth camp, and it was amazing. God would move in the most powerful ways. And the whole time, you're just thinking, God, how do we steward this now? How do we steward what you just did? How do we lead these people to be able to go back home, to go to their schools, and be able to walk in the circumstances that they're going through? Because that's what we want. We want people who are transformed, walking in purpose, destiny, leg, and then creating these beautiful legacies. So fast forward, youth pastor, Mexico in 2020, 2020. Um, we had been going for a long time, and, but this year it was like we just knew that the Lord was doing something different. And I was like, I we just really felt like God was going to open doors for ministry. And he did. And that's when we got invited to actually minister at the churches there. And let's say that my heart position for show up and blow up definitely changed. <laughs> it switched to, God, thank you so much for this opportunity to get to come in, serve these people. What an honor and privilege how do we partner with what you're doing here? And it was the best. I mean, we saw beautiful miracles that took place, but I can say that the highlights then were not my awesome testimonies that I brought to debrief. They were this teenage girl where you say, hey, why don't you lay hands on her and pray? She prays for some for the first time, sees them healed, and the look on her face of, what? And you're like, yes, that was God in you. He moved through you. He wants to continue to do that. And the beauty that came from that, where it's like, let's pray for this person. And they couldn't wait to pray for everyone. <laughs> but the exciting part was, it was, was that, wow, this can last. This can last. I'm about to go home. This can last. Because people got empowered to walk in what Jesus paid for for them. And so this year when we went, uh, it was beautiful. It's amazing. They're, I want to take everyone there. Uh, they're such beautiful people. We're in worship, and they just have such an anointed worship team. And when you're hearing another language in worship, it's so powerful. And so we're just getting touched. They're singing goodness of God. And I'm just like, you are so good. And it's beautiful. We share the message and then we go into ministry time. And I'd say the most impacting testimonies that took place were there was this grandma um, and she had two of her granddaughters right behind her. They're really similar in age. They look like they're probably like 14, right, Bim? And... So she had been struggling with diabetes and she had pain in, her, in both of her knees. And so we're like, okay, well, let's pray for your knees first. And so we had the granddaughters come, lay their hands on their grandma. And the second they started praying for her, they're just both bawling. It was so beautiful to watch. And we finished praying. How do you feel? 
all the pain left. And of course, both these girls are like, Jesus, and the grandma's getting so touched. You just see this whole family then being impacted. And so we got to pray for the girls, empower them of this is who Jesus is in you. And so we're praying for a few more people. And it was so fun. My dad then brings someone over to us. And he's like, hey, this lady has knee pain. And this was right after we prayed for another teenage girl who had literally just turned 13. And it was language of the spirit. We were like, okay, well, you just healed this lady's knee. I'm sure you want to heal this lady's knee. And there's another teenager. Interesting. And so we're like, sweetheart, why don't you lay hands on her? And she's brilliant. She's interpreting. She's amazing. And so she starts praying. And then we ask, okay, how do your knees feel? The lady gets totally healed. This teenager just starts bawling. And the Holy Spirit just like so is on this girl. So we pray for her. And it was the sweetest thing. She like clung to me after it. And we'd, we'd walk around, pray for other people. And whenever it would, got, it would get brought up what the Lord did, she'd just start bawling, start bawling and bawling. And turns out that her grandma had walked in beautiful healing ministry, prayed that it would be continued. And it was just seeing like the next generation catch it, see the reality of this is who Jesus is. And I'll never forget, when, like the first time of praying for someone and seeing them healed, it's the most wild experience. Because you're like, something impossible just happened. And I saw it with my own eyes. And that's, it, it's the most special thing. And I just, with that, it went back to, what does it look like to disciple nations? Because my viewpoint I used to have was pretty crummy. <laughs> It would only last if a mission team went for a week. Versus now, it's like, how do we partner with what God is doing? And it takes the superstar Christianity right out of it. It just rips that thing out of there. And so it's, I just encourage all of us, again, what does it look like to make disciples? Because I believe, I believe right now, more than any other time, we have a generation and a church that is crying out for discipleship. You know, we do. And it's not like it's some new, crazy revelation. It's been the commission from the beginning. But it is not as easy. Discipleship is not near as easy. It's not near as flashy. But it brings true transformation. And I really felt the Lord calling our church to make disciples unlike ever before. Because there's a great harvest that's coming in. You know, we have people that are coming in all the time. But if we don't realize our role and our mission to make disciples, we're going to see people fall through the cracks like crazy. But we don't want that. Jesus paid way too much for that. And we can just look at, I mean, you can look at culture right now, some different churches where the whole celebrity pastor, I mean, they're, they're crushing down because that was not God's design. God did not design this big celebrity person who doesn't know people. He designed us to walk hand in hand with each other, 
You know, the early church, they met together. They broke bread together. They encouraged each other. And it's time to just go back to the basics, to go the, what we've been instructed to do, that the church, they would pray together. They'd pray for boldness together. There was persecution happening. They needed each other so badly. And that's what we need in life. In this room, we have so many different circumstances. We have people that had the best week of their life. We had people that had the worst week of their life. And we're called to link arms together, to walk together, to make disciples together. Ephesians 4, 15 says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So I'd say one of the questions to us is, are we ready to speak the truth in love? There's a reality that people got fearful in the church, didn't like to bring correction. You know, it's true, because you get afraid someone might leave. If I correct them, they're not gonna wanna come here and I like them. Like, let's be completely real. These are the things that have gone through so many times. It's like, they were a really fun couple. <clears throat> Darn it. <laughs> you know, those kind of situations. Are we ready to speak the truth and love to people? The fruit that we see is there have been two different couples that have gotten married recently where when the Bible was actually taught of, hey, did you, it's, the reality is that if you're living together and you're not married, it's sin. It's not God's design. Do you wanna just be all in and walk in the Lord's blessings? And these couples were like, yeah, of course I want that. That's discipleship. That's saying, hey, let's walk alongside you. You gave your life to Jesus. Now let's see you walk in his commandments and his blessings to be real disciples. And you know what happened? The next generation got saved. Thank you, Jesus. It's beautiful. It's discipleship. It's the gospel. And so I think it just more, I got challenged by this of, are we ready to make disciples? And it's the ever going question. What does that look like? It's different in every season. It's beautiful. Let's go to first Peter chapter two. Verses nine, nine through 10. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you've received God's mercy. Let's keep going, because it's good. 
Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. It goes back to our life matters. How are we living? We're here, we love coming on Sundays, we love experiencing the presence of God and we need it. But are we ready now to go out and make disciples of nations? And just encouragement here, if, if you take the time to really invest in one person, and this, I think when we talk about making disciples of nations, then it's like, it's a crazy picture. But imagine you take time to invest in one person. You pour into them. That can completely transform multiple generations to come. It's who are we loving right in front of us? If someone doesn't know what it looks like to be a dad, and you're a good dad, be a good person to disciple. If someone has no idea what it actually looks like to have a healthy marriage, and you've got a good marriage, good people to disciple. Because there are people who most of the time, they just don't know. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And when we've tasted and we've seen what God has done, we have this beautiful privilege now to give it away, to love people. And so we get to see the healthiest marriages. We get to see gospel-centered families. We get to see true sons and daughters raised up. No more orphans, loved sons and daughters. And Psalm 68 says, God puts the lonely into families. He's so kind, he does. He'll put the lonely into families. Okay, Colossians 3:12-17 Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, that's good news. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Amen. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So good. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. They'll know that you're my disciples by your love you have for one another. 
And so, like I said, this isn't a big, new, crazy revelation, but it's the basics and it's what we're called to. And I feel a charge for our house more than ever before to make disciples. And so the questions to ask ourselves, you know, Paul, he'd say, imitate me. Am I at a place where I can say, imitate me? You know, am, am I at that place? These are the questions we need to ask ourselves. When I look at my perfect nephews, my other niece is not in here, but like my perfect nephews that are right there, I want to have a life that says, you can follow auntie. Hi, Bubba's. Like, look at those faces. Can you wave at everyone, Kaysen and Kai? Can you wave? How perfect, and look at Sweet Haven right there, and Rose. Like, just look at those faces. Those are the best faces. That's the next generation. And we want to be people who say, you can imitate me. Follow me as I follow Christ. And so it's those questions to ask ourselves. Can I confidently and peacefully say that? Because I can confidently say it without the peace of God sometimes. And the Holy Spirit will convict us. So can we confidently, wholeheartedly, peacefully say those things and the Lord's calling us to holiness, to boldness, to family, to discipleship. So that, that's the charge for our teens in the back. Let's go. Let's go. Let's just run with Jesus together. So let's stand up. have just a moment where we I want to pray for I want to pray for our teenagers those in school right now and I, I want to pray for those who are lost in the lies of the LGBTQ confusion my heart was just going out. And as we were worshiping and we said the song of like, sing it to the daughters, sing it to the sons, every generation, look what the Lord has done. I, just that reminder that his blood paid for it, covered that, not intimidated by it, his blood paid for it already. And so let's just, let's intercede for just a moment here. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for what you paid for. And right now, we just speak truth over every single person who is walking in darkness right now. Thank you that your blood is speaking a better word over them right now. In Jesus' name. So we speak true identity over them. Lord, I pray that you would break off all trauma that has just fallen on different people, hurts, all the different things. We just pray that your love would pursue them right now. That your love would pursue them right now in Jesus' name. Your love to break off the chains. Your love to break off the fear. We just speak your love, your goodness to chase them down in Jesus' name. We speak a sound mind 
mine. Lord, we bless our teens, those that are in school, in elementary, God. We just pray the goodness of God would chase them down all the days of their life. Lord, we pray for teachers that they would walk in Holy Ghost boldness like never before, Jesus. So we just say on our watch that we wanna stand as those who stand in the gap and we say, come home to the Father's love. Come home to the Father's love. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we believe that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We believe it, God. We believe it over Super Bowl Sunday, the different things that take place. We speak the blood of Jesus to protect, to keep, to defend. We release angels to go out, to protect, to defend, to just to release your word, Jesus. So we just speak a supernatural protection over this generation. Supernatural protection, Lord. We partner with your heart, what you're saying, Jesus. And I pray that you would give us wisdom on what it looks like to disciple, that you would give us wisdom, what it looks like to love those right in front of us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd begin to highlight people, that you would highlight people for us to love on, to pour into. And right now, for each and every one of us, Lord, we want to be the ones on fire, set ablaze, holy love for you, Jesus, for us first. So thank you, Lord. We want you to be first place in our heart. First place, King, King of our hearts. So we say yes to all that you're doing. The ministry team, if you wouldn't mind coming up to the front. If you're, when I, when I propose the question of, hey, am, can, can we really say, imitate me? And if you're like, you know what? There's some things that have been going on that I'm just, I'm done with. I want to lay that down. I want to walk in that first love fire with Jesus. And you would like people to pray for you. I encourage you, come up. If you don't know Jesus and you want to give your life to him, these are people that would love to pray with you. If you need healing in your body, these are people that would love to pray. But once again, I just say for all of us, it's just asking it. It doesn't have to be just in this moment. This is at home by yourself with Jesus in the quiet place, the secret place with him where we ask, all right, Lord, what, what's the direction? What does it look like? I want you to be my first love. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. We say yes to your heart. Yes to your beautiful plans. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We bless you. If you want to stay in.